You are listening to Inclusion Evolution, a bi-weekly podcast that brings you insightful and engaging conversations on diversity, equity, and inclusion in the legal profession, the technology space, the world of sports, and our everyday. Here are your hosts, Lisa Mueller and Michael Kasdan. Welcome back to Inclusion Evolution. I'm Lisa Mueller. And I'm Mike Kasdan. Well, Mike, today is a first for us. We are welcoming our first two guests to the podcast, two individuals who are extremely passionate about equity, diversity, and inclusion, Elaine Spector and Judy Yee. I'm so excited to have our first guests. Uh, I, I love of course, our conversations. And I think we can cover a lot of ground, but to open it up and and really kind of learn from all the good work that people are doing out there. um, I'm just really excited about this today. Yeah, I think it's really great to have some guests on the podcast to share what others are doing in this field, because we can learn so much from, from what people like Elaine and Judy are doing. And, and with that, let me share a little bit about Elaine. Elaine is a patent attorney with Herity and Herity with over 20 years of experience in intellectual property law. Elaine's practice consists primarily of prosecuting patent applications with a focus on electromechanical technologies. Elaine is dedicated to improving diversity in the field of patent law through her numerous diversity leadership roles, including vice chair of the IPO Diversity Committee, chair of the IPO DNI Committee Outreach Subcommittee, and co-chair of the Herity Diversity Committee. In addition, Elaine hosts Driving Diversity, a weekly vlog sharing diversity-related tips and frequently asked questions, as well as quarterly webinars in a series called Diversity Dialogue as part of Herity's Diversity Channel. Judy Yee is an Assistant General Counsel of IP at Microsoft. Judy has been at Microsoft for the last 12 years, supporting Microsoft's office apps and cloud business, including patent portfolio development, risk mitigation, open source usage, M&A transactions, IP licensing, strategic partnerships and industry standards activities. Outside of work, Judy enjoys spending time with her family or at the gym as a founding member of Seattle's first competitive adult gymnastics team. Welcome, Elaine and Judy. Mike and I are so excited to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, thanks. It's great to be here. I thought we would kick things off maybe with Elaine and You and your firm, Herity & Herity, are extremely passionate about increasing diversity in patent law. Can you tell us a little bit about your firm's diversity mission and how it came about? So our diversity mission began before I was working at Herity. Um, And it happened after one of our founding partners, John Herity, suffered a widow-maker heart attack in 2016. Um, He obviously survived and when he was in his hospital bed, his uh, twin brother, Paul, who he founded the firm with 20, over 20 years ago, um, they had a discussion about wanting to change the way they um, operated the practice. They wanted to start a charity and they wanted to give back. And, and part of that discussion was, what are we going to do about diversity in the field? Uh, so the first thought was, how are we increasing diversity within our firm? So focusing on within the firm. Uh, so they started a diversity committee in 2016. I entered the picture in 2017. And in 2017, the firm was very small back then. There was 14 attorneys. And when I was researching Herity, I saw they had a diversity committee. I said, this is great. But then I looked and there's 14 attorneys and they're all men. Oh. I'm like, huh. <laughs> 
one diverse uh, male um, associated with. But what we come to find out in our field in electromechanical and the software space, there's very few women in that space. And in fact, the paper that we wrote uh, that was published in ABA Landslide Magazine shows that in the mechanical engineering space, which was my background, there's only 11% of women who are registered practitioners in that technology area. So understanding that. So when I entered in 2017, our diversity was about 8%. Uh, we develop different hiring practices to increase that number so that today we're over 40% diverse. So I think we've made significant strides internally. Um, then we decided, what can we do externally to change the pipeline? Uh, so the first program, and we'll talk about it a little bit, um, relates to uh, bringing more women into patent law. And then we can talk a little bit later about some of the other initiatives. So it started before I got to Heritage. And now we've progressed since then. Well, thank goodness John survived. And he's certainly (laughs) been on a mission. And I'll just mention, I know in addition to your diversity programs, he's very, uh, your firm's very active also in giving back, I know, to uh, various other organizations and charities as well, which I think is absolutely amazing. Absolutely. So they they also, at that same time period, established Heritage for Charity, where the partners donate 5% of profits to four of their chosen Heritage for Charity partners. So uh, that was also a big program that they initiated after his heart attack. Yeah, that's fantastic. And, you know, you alluded to a little bit, Elaine, some of the programs the firms developed to try and increase diversity in patent law. Let's dig into those a little bit more. Can you walk us through those? Because you have quite a few programs and and they're doing quite well, actually. Absolutely. So we can start, a, I, I guess we'll start chronologically. Um, the first program that we started when I entered in 2017 was the Parity for Parity Women's Workshop. And so again, knowing that the patent bar is only a little over 20% uh, women, registered practitioners, we're trying to recruit more women into the field. And so we have a four-day workshop that we hosted actually the first time in person before the pandemic. And we had uh, 10 women, we had limited space, but we invited 10 women to attend the program. And during that four-day program, we had the you know presentations on the basics of IP, of patent law, um, how to draft an application. We gave them assignments. We had mentors set up to review them. We had presentations with regard to prosecution, examiner interviews. We also gave them soft skills about writing resumes, um, how to interview, in addition to having a writing coach. Um, and we also had maybe about six or seven different speakers talking about prominent female speakers in the patent field to come encourage them about how they got to the, to their position. Uh, so that program evolved into a virtual program during the pandemic. And now we can bring more women into the program and support them through the program because it's virtual. We don't have a limited space. And plus we can, we can attract women from across the country that don't have to, might not have the expenses or the finances to um, fly in for the, for the particular program. So that's been wonderful. We also founded a Heritage Academy I don't know about Judy, but I know when I entered the practice of law, trying to figure out how to draft a patent application based on the resources we were given was so difficult. In fact, I drafted my first application. I hand wrote my claims because I I didn't actually even have a computer at that point. And then I dictated a patent application and I gave it to my assistant. I mean, this is pretty terrible. (laughs) But even when you go to other places, there's there's everybody has different styles on how to draft a patent application. And what I love about Heritage is that we have a uniform writing style that we 
we have extensive training in how we train our attorneys. Um, and we wanted to give those skills to uh, diverse attorneys coming up to equip them to do well in their position. So it's a free virtual course that that different pat- uh, diverse patent attorneys can take. We have a patent basics course, uh, an app drafting course that runs about seven or eight weeks, um, all of them having mentors to review your assignments. Like we, we actually want to see you actually have to do it and get some feedback to make progress. That's uh, the only and then way the, you learn, though, in patent law. You have to do it. There's no other way. I think all of us did, right? Yeah. And so my physics teacher used to say, it's not a spectator sport. You actually got to do the problems and get in there. Exactly. So same with patent law and everything we do. You have to actually get in there. And then we have that prosecution course as well. And then Casimir Jones has something similar in the life sciences space. So that's that's been amazing. So another program we developed was trying to address the issue with regard to equity partner positions and the lack of diversity in equity partner positions or ownership in law firms. And so this was another program we developed called the Minority Firm Incubator, where we are trying to recruit diverse attorneys and bring them into Heredity, employ them through Heredity for the first year, teach them how to draft applications to Heredity style the second year, teach them how to prosecute the Heredity style. And then third year, teach them business development and law firm operations. I mean, when you think about starting your own firm, there's so much to think about. There's so much to learn in putting up processes in place to not just for the legal work that you're doing, but how do you hire superstars? How do you hire support staff, et cetera? So we brought in uh, James Bannon. Um, Actually, coincidentally, James Bannon worked at Heritage some years before. In fact, he is the one that performed CPR and John after oh my gosh, that's quite they a story. played basketball oh. and he suffered the heart attack. So James came in to the firm to with the thought that he is going to launch his, his own firm. So he did that. He actually launched his firm called the Onyx IP Group in 2021. So we were very excited about that program. But as we thought about it, we're like, okay, we made a difference with regard to having one more minority-owned firm, that's wonderful. But we heard a lot from corporations about the current minority-owned firms that they're using and can you help them with their operations? And so we thought we'd like to be able to help more people. We really want to make an impact and a difference. And helping one person absolutely does make a difference, but we wanted to have a larger impact. So we started the Minority Firm Incubator 2.0 last year where John and Paul taught a 42-week program on how to improve the operations within their firms. And so we had se- seven minority-owned firms attend that. And we had sessions ranging from law firm operations to, um, I gave a section on branding and diversity, um, ideal client traits, et cetera. And the program started with a pitch to in-house counsel at the beginning of the program and at the end of the program with the purpose that we're forming relationships between the in-house counsel and the minority-owned firms. And the great end result of that that program this past year is that um, three of the minority-owned firms got new work from some of the in-house counsel that was sitting on those panels. So we felt like that was an impactful program. That's really interesting. And how did you identify the in-house counsel to come and participate? So it's through relationships that I've had with some some companies. We asked our own clients 
That's great. So quite a few of our clients, I posted on LinkedIn and some corporations would reach out to me and say, I'm really interested in hearing the pitches. I'm interested in participating. Um, And we also had in-house panelists for presentations on how to pitch to in-house. Like, what do we look for in our law firms? Um, There were also in-house counsel who were on selection committees, making sure we selected minority-owned firms that we felt like would really benefit from this, that really had the um, potential to expand their operations and grow their firm. And I think it's like unique to Harity and that many other firms would want to hold tight onto their clients and not potentially share them with other firms that are trying to grow their business. Yeah, I think yeah. it's really remarkable. I just, I mean, just, just sitting here listening to you talking about these programs, I think that the two things that really stand out are, are one, I think the story of how it all came about is so remarkable. It's such a powerful story about, you know, this this big life event happening and being so intentional um, about changing focus and really focusing on this. And, you know, the other thing that really stands out is, you know, how diverse, how thoughtful and diverse the approach is. It's many tentacles, like, you know, so you're focusing on giving support at the associate level and what are we doing at the partner level inside the firm, but then looking outside the firm, what are we doing to help others? And then looking at that long-term, like fixing or addressing, you know, the pipeline issue that you mentioned in the beginning. So it's this sort of many, it's this very intentional and many tentacled approach. And that I think that's really remarkable. And one thing I like about working at Herity is it, it is an abundance mentality. And we, we work from the thought that the world is abundant. And, um, and especially this, this life-altering event that, that John went through. I think when you have the leadership taking that approach, it's so much easier to implement these types of programs. Um, John Herity is my co-chair, so um, we get buy-in pretty easily. It doesn't happen unless there's buying it at the top. It just doesn't happen. Yeah, not only easier, but like essential. <laughs> so there's one more program I want to talk about, and that's called Patent Pathways. And we feel like this is going to be the most impactful program. Actually, I forgot and <laughs> I forgot some other programs with regard to our diversity channel and our think tank. Lisa, you were part of the think tank yes. of how we're, we, we, we had our first iteration of our think tank where we were um, exploring how to bring more women into patent law. And we're going to have a next iteration that talks about how do we bring more Asian Americans into patent law? How do we bring more Black um, patent practitioners or patent um, lawyers into patent law? So we have an iteration of all these different classes of diversity that we want to specifically focus on because there's going to be different issues with respect to each demographic group. Um, so that's one thing we've done. We also have webinars, um, quarterly webinars to, about diversity topics, including, I mean, mostly focused on diversity of the patent practice. And I do a weekly vlog. If you're on LinkedIn, I do a weekly vlog about everything from diversity of the patent bar to women equity and equal pay. I'll have my equal pay shirt on. You know, I, I, I the, these come from just a, just a sense of of wanting to to get the word back word out about women's issue and be a model for those coming up as well. With regard to our patent pathways program, we think this is going to be the most impactful program of all of our programs, um, based on our study that we had published in the ABA Landslide uh, Magazine in 2020. 
we found that the least represented group of the patent bar, not surprisingly, are racially diverse women and that there are more patent practitioners named Michael than there are racially diverse women and registered to practice for the, before the United States Patent and Trademark Office. So we wanted to uh, we wanted to make a difference with the with respect to the least represented group, which are racially diverse women. And within that subset, we decided to focus on black women um, in light of what's been happening historically with black women, also with respect to the last couple of years. Um, so our focus on patent pathways is to recruit in our first year, 20 black women into, into patent law. And so the biggest thing is, and I'm sure Judy has experienced this and all of us have experienced is that not many people know about a career in patent law. I mean, we just kind of happened upon it, either through our work or through our family friend. And so the first step is in the informing step. How do we inform these women about careers in IP? We have to reach out to them and try to inform them and tell them, hey, look, this is a career option that can happen at the undergraduate level. Eventually, we're going to have to go earlier Absolutely. to improve the pipeline. But for us, for this program, we're, we're really focused on undergraduates. We're focused on career engineers, people who've already made a decision to pursue life science or engineering. Uh, and then we, we pay for their patent bar review prep, which can be very costly. That can be another barrier. We pay for their patent office sitting fees. And then we provide probably about... All, close to a year's worth of training, similar to our Heritage Academy with app drafting and uh, prosecution. Each of the participants has a in-house mentor and a law firm mentor that will either give them, offer them some career advice or give them substantive feedback on an assignment. Oh, you, you know, we'll go through an assignment, my mentee and, and I, and we'll go through, you know, we'll get up from, from the people leading the session, they'll give us kind of an outline of what we're looking for in a response. So if mentors want to join, they're like, oh gosh, I've got to get up to speed on all this. We try to make it as easy as possible, but giving our, our participants um, substantive feedback. And then um, we line them up with law firm partners to get them jobs, to get them experience, because it doesn't do them much good if they're registered to practice and they have no experience. So wow. Um, getting them lined up with law firm partners. Um, this first year, we were able to get 20 law firm partners uh, to interview the women. Um, and so that's wonderful. And then we also had some corporate sponsors that um, have agreed to send work to the participants. So sometimes corporations will go to their law firms and say, hey, look, I want you to consider this program and consider hiring one of the participants. So what we've asked law firms to do is consider hiring them for at least a year. We want a year under their belt. But what many law firms are doing are offering full-time positions. They're, they're interviewing according to what their criteria is. I never say to a law firm, you have to hire this person. Right. It has to meet their, their expectations and standards. Um, but again, it's getting them those jobs so that they have a foot in the door. And usually the, the law firms that we are engaging in this process are ones that appear to have a strong diversity interest and initiative. We don't want them going to a place where they don't feel included. Now, is that going to happen? I, you know, you know, you Elena, never know. Are many of your, um, 
your applicants in the program, are they still pursuing their undergraduate degree? And so they're then like going to be an agent um, at, you know, after they graduate and sit for the patent bar, or are they working full-time as an engineer, but have this potential interest or is it a max? It's a max. It's actually a complete max. Actually, there are quite a few that are already in law school. Okay. And some of them haven't graduated from law school. Um, My mentee, actually, she, my mentee also happened to get a job at Harity after um, she graduated with her mechanical engineering degree. She just graduated in December. Mm-hmm. And we just found out last week she passed the patent bar and she's starting mm-hmm. with us and she's starting with us in April. I'm like, enjoy the time. Exactly. So it's exciting. Yeah. So it it there's a full range of where we're recruiting. We are recruiting career engineers. There's there's a few women in the program that have worked in engineering for 20 years. And I had a mentee in the program that was uh, working on completing her PhD uh, in organic chemistry. And so there's there's a wide range. I can see why you said, why you talked about the impact of that program, because it's such an end-to-end program. Um, and as a patent practitioner slash IP lawyer named Michael, um, <laughs> that was a pretty startling statistic, too. It was. It was. And I mean, I think, Elaine, what's so impressive is, is like Mike said, the intentionality behind the programs and the depth and the breadth. And, you know, that leads me to ask you, because I, I think maybe some people listening to this podcast are like, wow, that that's a lot of time and effort. And so how does your firm logistically manage and handle all these different programs? Well, I, I think I had mentioned earlier, you have to get buy-in first because Absolutely. it's a tremendous amount of time to run these programs. Um, we have a diversity meeting, a weekly meeting, and we have probably about 10 people on our diversity committee. That's one committee. We have subcommittees for the different efforts within the firm. And the most significant is the Patent Pathways program. Within the Patent Pathways program, we started recruiting other other people outside of Heritage into the program. Like Heritage, we can't run this thing as as we're scaling it. Um, We have 20 participants this year and we're, we're hoping for 50 next year. When you scale a program with all the different moving parts, we we really we can't do it on our own. So Lisa has recently joined the Patent Pathways subcommittee, and yes. we have a number of other people outside of here that have joined. And we within that subcommittee, we have other subcommittees to to focus on different aspects of the program. So I think our firm does spend a tremendous amount of time in this area because it's important to us. Um, But as we're scaling patent pathways, we absolutely need to get more involvement with the patent community um, because it is a heavy lift if we really want to make a difference uh, in the patent field. And I do want to add, I I just recently joined that uh, program, like Elaine said, and, and we're bringing the life science piece that my firm had you know, I had developed with my firm into the Heritage program. And I do have to say, I have been incredibly impressed by the passion for all the people on these committees. You know, uh, everybody is really about making these programs the best they can be and really making an impact. So it's it's been extremely impressive. We're happy to have you on it too, Lisa, thank, because thank you. we did it on that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Elaine, thank, thank you so much for diving into that and really 
explaining the breadth of what's happening. I think, you know, you mentioned modeling and I think modeling is important in a lot of different ways. And we're so happy that you could come on and, you know, explain to people and so, so that people can learn from the good work about, you know, how to do programs like this and understand what's out there and, and the approach that folks can take. Um, I think it's, it's really impressive. So, so thank you. I did want to shift uh, now to Judy. Um, Judy, um, Microsoft was one of the founding members of Advancing Diversity Across Patent Teams in 2021. Um, so for anyone that's not familiar with ADAPT, um, can you tell us what it is, um, how it came about, and what it hopes to achieve? I think I'll start with how it came about. So I was chatting with another friend um, in-house who happens to be at Google, and we were just talking. She was very, you know, interested in starting something in the diversity space, and asked if I was interested or if if maybe Microsoft would be interested. And and I said yes, of course. Like I would love to make a difference. Um, I've I've found uh, that there have been, I mean, to some of Elaine's points, like very few women mentors um, for myself over the years. Right. Uh, and and wanted to to figure out how to give back a little bit. Um, so, uh, so she introduced me to um, another of her coworkers, Steve Gong, and then uh, Mike Vins over at Meta, and we all just started really just brainstorming and thinking about, hey, what what's the good work that our companies are doing or that we're seeing others do um, within the industry, and we didn't want to kind of like recreate things that are already out there, right? Because um, that might potentially take away from the good work of others or, um, you know, just be possibly less impactful. So so we did this inventory and kind of chatted several times and really landed on um, this mission of wanting to make diversity, equity, inclusion programs more accessible um, and scalable regardless of industry, regardless of company size. So we didn't want to potentially have someone say, well, sure, a large corporation can invest that money, but I'm you know, much smaller or my company doesn't even know how to have a diversity conversation at the executive level. So we decided that it would be helpful if we put together this platform that would have... Um, both things like how-to guides, how to have that diversity conversation um, and, you know, at different levels in the organization, as well as um, what are, if you do have resources and you've already started the conversation, but you don't know where to spend your money, like what um, volunteer opportunities are out there, what nonprofits need funding that you could provide funding to, to really um, give a voice and showcase the great work that's already happening, as well as try to contribute in the gaps that um, maybe there's, you know, a lack of resources. So the first um, pillar or part of ADAPT is really that um, making diversity, equity, inclusion programs accessible. And then we also wanted to say, let's have like an immediate impact ourselves too. Like let's let's not just just showcase everything. But what else can we do? Um, and so we landed um, on mentorship, and we are also focusing at the undergraduate level with our program. Um, unlike it sounds like uh, the Harity program, we aren't necessarily focused on on. Um, like folks in law school that have made a decision and have the uh, requirements to sit for the patent bar. But 
also just bringing the message. I mean, I didn't, I went to law school also to make friends, um, <laughs> which is maybe not, not a typical reason to go to law school. But um, I didn't know until I got there that you needed a technical degree, degree to sit for the patent bar. And when I got there, everyone said, oh, you should really become a patent lawyer. And I thought, like, I, okay, I guess. I don't, I don't know anything about that, but <laughs> I'm, we'll see. We'll see. I enjoy being an engineer. So yeah, so we want to help kind of bring information to students to um, enable them to know about the career path um, and have it be a bit more intentional of a choice um, than folks stumbling upon it like like right. I did yeah. um, and so many others do. So uh, we have this mentorship program. We launched it in November for folks to apply. We've had um, a lot of applications. We just closed our application window, and we're going through those candidates now and selecting them. Um, the candidate, the selected applicants, will get um, mentored by each of the founding companies of Adapt, uh, as well as we're going to have a curriculum that includes support from our law firm partners um, that will provide different sort of background on what what does it look like if you're a patent practitioner? What does it look like if you're a patent litigator? What about technology licensing? And then we'll also touch on areas like trademarks and copyright. So um, so that's the mentorship piece. And then the, the third part is really about um, how do we measure ourselves? So, uh, so Aline's done like awesome work at um, like the statistics she's been sharing. Uh, and, and what we want to do is kind of create a standard methodology of how you talk about where we're at so that then you can set goals of like, wouldn't it be great if we could increase um, the representation of minority women in patent law by some percentage, right? And then trying to make a difference there and put it by, by making these programs accessible. So that's, that's really where the third focus area is. Yeah. And so thank you for sharing that. And I just have to say that I think going into anything with the approach being to make friends, <laughs> I think that's a great thing, even if the thing is law school. And I got to say, I think it sticks out that, you know, the story of how ADAPT came about um, is really like an innovation story. And, and I loved how you explained that like, you're just talking to your friend and your friend has another friend. And sooner or later, you have ideas and people um, and this beautiful thing emerges. And so so I think that's a great story. Um, I also love the approach of kind of resources and tools as that first prong um, and then the pipeline as the second prong. And, and then I know, you know, measurement seems kind of like less sexy, but I know how important it is to have data like when we're doing things organizationally and institutionally, right? If we're not measuring it, then we're not focused on it. And if there's, if, if we hope to make change in any place, you have to have measurable and people are always going to ask in the business world, you know, what are we doing this? What's the impact? What's the return on investment? Um, and how do you measure progress? So I think that th- those are three really important prongs and I loved hearing about it. Um, what's the response been from the legal industry to adapt? Yeah, it's been awesome. So so we started those conversations in December of 2021. 
Um, and we really kind of picked up speed, I would say, just in early spring of 2022. We launched at Lotbridge um, Conference in September. And since the launch, we've had, I want to say now it's around 25 different joins from um, other corporations, law firms, other industry organizations. And it's really easy to join. Um, we want, because we really want people to, you know, contribute what they have or adopt a program on the platform. Um, that's really all it is. So if you have a great um, diversity initiative that you want to showcase uh, that that can be open um, or you could decide to open it up, then you can um, share that through Adapt. Or if you, um, as I was saying before, have you know some money laying around that you want to invest, um, <laughs> then then you can say, hey, I'd like to join in my action. So we, we kind of phrase it as like, what action are you going to take um, to help us advance diversity across patent teams? And and so it can be that. And it's really that simple. Um, for Microsoft, even though we're a founder, we also wanted to take action. And so what we did is we opened up our Make What's Next um, patent program. And that originally was a pro bono patent drafting program that we started at Microsoft and um, really serving um typically uh, inventor teams that are from high schools that have women on them, as well as um, a different minority or socioeconomically challenged areas. Like that's where the, the high schools tend to be, um, you know, reaching out for support to um, help uh, get some protection for their inventions, their, their high school students. Um, and, and we thought like, well, goodness, you know, like, there's no reason why we have to have all the in-house Microsoft attorneys <laughs> drafting these. We could open this up because this is a really simple way, if you think about it, for any patent attorney to um, be able to contribute and help bring awareness to patent law to um, young students. Um, and and so what we did is we said, okay, well, now well, if anyone wants to join our program, you just have to let us know. We will put you on our list of volunteers when we get um, an idea that comes in. Uh, we kind of it's kind of fairly concise. We share it out for subject matter conflicts, you know, purposes. And then if you're interested in drafting for that student team, um, you can. And these student teams are all over the country, uh, which is which is also great that now we're expanding it because then we have folks that can um, engage them directly um, and be there, you know. And use the whiteboard and do all the things that are make that experience kind of just a little bit more special for those students. So um, really easy to join. There's no, you know, annual dues. There's no, there's nothing other than make a difference, uh, take action. And and we ask people also to obviously share their logo so that they we can we can spread the word that they're a member of Adapt. Yeah, that's great. I love the simple action oriented approach, like just just get in and do it. And and I love that that's a win win. Um, so so that that's tremendous. Yeah. And I really love, Judy, that you're targeting high school kids, I mean, because I really think in order to increase the pipeline, we have to back the bus up, as they say, a little bit earlier. So I, I think that's a great program, along with the other programs that you and the other founding members of ADAPT have. So that leads me, you know, Judy, you and Microsoft, the other founders of ADAPT have all these programs going on. And Elaine Herity has all these programs. How did you guys come to be connected? And I would imagine now that you are, that there's some really great synergies that are coming out of this kind of collaboration. 
So absolutely. Well, I think what Judy was mentioning about talking to a friend and they knew about the programs, et cetera, it's very similar. Um, we, I had actually um, recruited Mike Binns to sit in, uh, on a panel for the Minority Firm Incubator. And so he's also a mentor in the Patent Pathways program. And he's also aware of our work through the ABA Landslide magazine with regard to statistics. And because that was a prong that they were interested in, um, Mike, I, I, I assume that Mike mentioned our firm's name. And so he reached out to me and said, hey, I've got, we're, we're, we're launching this uh, ADAPT initiative and I'm reaching out to you for, for two reasons. One is we'd love to for you to collaborate with uh, the data scientists from Google with regard to the statistics of, of the patent bar, the demographics. Um, to share our data, et cetera, to show them what we we have and then build upon that. Uh, and he also said that, as Judy had mentioned, the ADAPT platform houses a number of diversity programs that people can join. And so he knew that we had a number of diversity initiatives and he said, we love to list your initiatives on the platform. So we absolutely were excited to be involved in that as well uh, and to partner with them on the on the data uh, statistics as well as sharing our diversity initiatives because I think we have common goals to in to increase diversity of the patent bar. That's fantastic. So I, I think Mike, you had a follow-up question. Yeah, I mean I just, you know, we've been speaking for a while and um so much impressive work. Um I just wanted to give each of you um a, a chance to just comment on, you know, what makes this work so important to you, why this work is important to you. Um, maybe starting with Judy. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I think we've said it already several times, but it really is the relationships in life that, that give me energy. And um, those, that friendship, I will say at the ADAPT launch um, that we had in September, I have never spoken um, at a conference. I mean, I've spoken at many conferences, but I have never spoken at a conference where I felt so supported and um, that everyone was there and excited to see this come to life. Um, and it really, really just like, you know, it made, it made my day. That's <laughs> um, awesome. And, yeah, and, and the enthusiasm and, and the people that are in this group that want to make a difference and are putting in all this time, right? Like this is not time that, um, you know, is part of our jobs. Right. Uh, it is, it is that extra time and we do it because we care about um, diversity in the patent bar, but we also care about each other. And, and that, that means a lot to me. Yeah. I love that. Elaine. I mean, I can't follow that. Because <laughs> I think, I think the part about, I think the, the, the outcome and the benefit of doing this work is what Judy described, because when you're aligned with people that have the same values and get excited about diversity, it's so energizing and it's such a feel good. I mean, it, it, has been so wonderful for me since joining Heritage, doing the diversity work because of all the relationships I've been able to build. It's important to me because, as Judy had mentioned earlier, there are not a lot of women mentors in our area and our technology area, really the whole patent bar. And I was able to continue in the work because I, I just was... I, 
maybe I was naive. I was persistent. I kept at it. And I, but I didn't have a, a model. I didn't have anyone to look up to. And I just, just kept doing, kept doing the work, kept showing up. Um, and I don't want other women to have to go through that. I, I want to help reach a hand down and bring other women up because now that I'm where I'm at, where the position I'm in right now, it's so much better. It is great. <laughs> and I'm so glad I stuck it out. But I'm not sure everyone would do that. I'm not sure everyone would understand what the end game looks like. And it shouldn't have to be so difficult along the way. There should be, and because of the way I hope law is shifting, that people coming up don't have to endure maybe what Judy and I did earlier in our careers. Um, There's typically more flexibility now for all practitioners with regard to, you know, if you have a family taking time off, both men and women, parental leave policies. We didn't have all that back then. We couldn't even work part-time back then without making a big stink and everything up. And, you know, so it's important to me because I don't want others who are coming up to have to go through that. I want it to be more enjoyable along the journey. And I think that the more representation we have at the top and we can reach down to other diverse patent attorneys, the better, and to encourage them to to increase the pipeline. We need to increase the pipeline because that will affect the economics of our country, diversity and innovation. I know, Judy, you work a lot in that space. We have to have representation of patent attorneys. Exactly. So that we can also encourage diversity, innovation, and some of these underrepresented communities, including women. Yeah, we're missing out on a lot. Yeah. Didn't Kathy Kathy Vidal say it was $1 trillion? Yes. Something to that. I like like numbers. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and and that leads me to ask each of you, you know, just to kind of follow up, you know, Mike's question about uh, why the work's important to you. You know, it's, let's be honest, it's slow going. so there obviously have to be some frustrations. So I'd have to ask you, what would be a frustration point for each of you? Maybe Elaine, do you want to start? I think the frustrating point is many firms don't want to take action. They talk a big game and have diversity statements, but we don't see them actually trying to make a difference. So that that's frustrating for us. Because the more we have involvement and engagement from the patent community, the more we can actually make progress towards the goal of diversifying the patent bar. So that's my most frustrating point. How about for you, Judy? Um, I agree with Elaine. I think that that is the number one frustration is is when you get an appearance of, of buy-in, but then no action behind that buy-in. So I would just second that. Elaine and Judy, as the podcast comes to a close, what advice would you have for law firms and companies as it relates to increasing the number of women and underrepresented individuals in patent law? I think we said this earlier, but take action, get involved, go on the ADAPT platform, find an initiative that's interesting to you, go to Heritage site, find a program, sign up. Um, there are so many ways to get involved. Um, but the first is just to take the first action step. I love that. How about how about you, Judy? Yeah, I was going to say almost the same thing. Um, 
take action, but also don't be afraid to start small. Um, as I've been reaching out to other corporate practitioners to tell them about Adapt and encourage them to join and have their companies join and, and law firms as well, um, I can tell that like there's a weight associated with that that ask and they're thinking in their head like, okay, like what am I going to do? How do I actually like get this ball rolling? And oftentimes I found that if I ask like, what are you already doing? Then I can see that bridge to, to bring them into the platform and to kind of, you know, give more light to the work that they're already doing. Or I can offer suggestions based on what I know is in the platform already of how that they could join um, and volunteer. And so just take action and don't be afraid to start small because if you start small, then you've got somewhere to like start to grow. But if you don't start at all, then you're not you're not taking any taking any action to make an impact and in, in diversity in the patent bar. Yeah, thank you. I think that's really great advice from both of you. And so on on behalf of myself and Lisa, uh, we just wanted to thank you both so much for taking the time to, to come on the podcast, to share all of this great stuff. And so thank you so much uh, for being here. Um, and that's it for this week's episode. Uh, thanks to everyone out there listening. Lisa and I will catch you next time on Inclusion Evolution. Thank you for listening to Inclusion Evolution. The views expressed during this podcast are solely those of the hosts and not of their respective law firms. Share your thoughts with us by emailing us at llmuller at casimerjones.com or mkasden at wigan.com. 